told the others. They didn't believe me. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. Milkshake! It's gonna be a long night. I can already tell. I drink your milkshake! You know you want a goddamn four-gallon tub of cookie dough, Chris. <laughs> Hold on. That's exactly what I'm talking God about. God damn it. Now I'm having flashbacks. Now it's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then there was like a rewards tier. Like, if you did so much, you got, oh, fuck, he gets a pizza party because he did so much. Oh, my God. You remember when they fucking banned you from the pizza parties for not selling enough? <laughs> they would make you watch the other kids eat pizza. That was real? This Y'all don't real? remember this shit? I don't remember this at all. I'm having like a flood of memory come back to me about this. Like they they would make you sit in a corner while everybody else ate pizza. You didn't sell enough. I don't remember that at all. That sounds fucking cruel as hell. Welcome to the Horrible Film School, a safe place to watch scary movies. I'm Chris here with the big bully boys, Mr. Ryan Hootie. What's going on, fellas? Excited to talk about potato sacks today. Taters. And the big bro, Mr. Joey. What's up, guys and gals? Who's ready to get wet and wild once again at Camp Crystal Lake? Camp Blood. Cannonball! Mm, so I heard somebody behind me in the woods let me take my titties out. I hope no one sees my asshole while I uh, <laughs> take my pants off. Today's assignment, 1981's Friday the 13th, Part 2. The lesson, don't be in the first gang of camp counselors to reopen a camp with a place called Camp Blood next door. How about just don't be a camp counselor, you know? Do anything else. I think after like 11 Friday the 13th movies, it's kind of shown you, hey, I don't think this is the safest job. All right, we're going to jump right into this, guys. Let's talk about uh, director slash producer Steve Miner. Steve Miner is known for such gems as Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3, as well as 1986 super controversial film, Soul Man, uh, which is a blackface comedy. He also directed a film we've talked about on several episodes uh, so far, Halloween H2O. Underwater, right? That as well. Uh, the Underwater, yeah, let's do that joke for the fourth or fifth time. The, the Underwater snorkel Halloween. Fest. Um <laughs> Speaking of Underwater, one of my all-time favorite shit horror movies was also directed by Mr. Miner, Lake Placid. Oliver uh, Platt, starring, eat your house, eat your starring the ever-talented Oliver Platt. Steve Miner also directed a great uh, classic horror film called House, which I'm sure we will cover at some point. Heard of that. It's got a big uh, cult following, right? It is a wild movie. With a lot of flaws. So from there, uh, let's talk about some interesting factoids uh, so surrounding Friday the 13th Part 2. The very sh- first shot of Jason in Part 2 is shot showing only his legs as he approaches Alice's house. But those legs actually belonged to Ellen Lutter, Ooh, the film's costume designer. This is the first and only time in the history of the franchise that Jason was portrayed by a female. 
truly a worthy footnote in women's 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 cinema history. You'll be a woman soon. The scene when Alice receives a phone call from her mom, that entire monologue is improvised. Yeah, she uh it's just her I mean they do a lot of tracking shots too. There's not a lot of cuts in that that sequence either. That's a big. That's a big thing about this movie. There's a lot of scenes where it's it's one shot, and I actually appreciate that very much of this movie. Um, but yeah, the fact that it's entirely improvised shows how good of an actress that um, Adrian King really is, and it's almost like she's the best actress in the entire movie, and it just goes downhill from here. Yeah, pretty much. You could say I that. did read that she. I know we talked about it on the first. We did part one that she had this whole weird stalker situation going on. So that was kind of why she didn't want to be in this one. She only wanted to do a few, like a day of shooting pretty much, and then to get out. But the fact is that someone had broken into her house. Like in real life, the stalker did, and that's why she was so afraid. So you get her to come on set, and what the fuck do you do? You put her in a house, and you have some guy breaking her fucking, what? (laughs) I thought that was like totally fucking trashy. Maybe, but I guess that's method acting, right? You kind of you kind of go through the experience. Why would you put her through that? If that's the reason she doesn't want to be in your movie, and you're like, oh, okay, and coincidentally, this is exactly the fuck we were planning to do to you ourselves. But then she got stabbed in the head with an ice pick that didn't retract, and they said for the second take to aim for where the first one like left an imprint. Fuck <laughs> Jesus, that's a rough. Day. That was like a temple shot, right? Yeah. The, a lot of the kill scenes in the movie were, like, cut. Yeah, I got really kind of annoyed personally watching it because yeah, every time, not that I want to see a bunch of, like, gore and violence necessarily, but it seemed like every time they showed one of these elaborate kills they had set up, it was instantaneously cut to next scene. The reason to go and watch a Friday the 13th movie is the gore. Like, you're never going to get a story. You're never going to get characters that are, like, super in-depth. And it's like... You took the one thing about the movie that people won't, and you just fucking chopped it. We're, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, the reason I bring it up is, in particular, this scene with the ice pick to the forehead. Um, you can go on YouTube and watch the actual scene itself. The pick actually goes through her nose and out her nose. And the way it's like the makeup and stuff, the way they shot it's actually like super good. I didn't even notice it, how quickly they cut the scene, because it's like the penetration and then the scene's over right Tom Zabini the god we all know him we've all talked about him and fallen over him uh, decided to work on the movie Midnight instead of returning for Friday Part 2 it's rumored that the fact that Jason being revived uh, to be the killer was a leading factor of his decision as he thought it was a shit idea wasn't it his like original pitch to get him to pop out of the water in the first one there it was, but you don't know if that was real or not. Well, I don't think it was like the movie wasn't, or the series wasn't made to have sequels. It was made to be an anthology series, right? Yeah, I do remember that note. Like, it wasn't going to necessarily pick up with the yeah. same thread of characters. It was just more like a series of bad events that take place on this particular day. Because the whole concept of what is a Friday the 13th, like literally the title, what does that even fucking mean? It gets completely lost, I guess. Does any of it take place on Friday the 13th? No. I, don't, the, I think the first movie takes place on fucking Saturday the 14th. But yeah, I think if Tom Savini stuck with it, 
that those sequences probably wouldn't have been cut. Well, this was around the time where the MPAA was really cracking down on movies and making stuff like that go away. They were actually wanting to give this movie an X rating, which is what they do for a lot of, you know, unedited cuts of Friday the 13th movies, but they had to neuter a lot of the a lot of the kill scenes, a lot of the uh, stuff that used the heavy makeup and prosthetics to uh, satisfy the MPAA. So it, it's a shame because some of the uncut clips, like I said, they're on YouTube. They're really fucking good. Outside of some of the things you already touched on, the only major note here I want to drop is just a reminder to the three of us to not forget this motherfucker's name was supposed to be Josh. Fear <laughs> Do not. Josh. Never Have forget you guys Josh. heard of Josh Voorhees? <laughs> Josh 2022. We're holding on, buddy. I have a note just to go over how incredible this franchise is and how wild the 80s were because I know in my lifetime, I've never seen anything come close to this. I'm going to rattle off how many Friday the 13th came out year after year. 80. For the first Friday the 13th, Eight, uh, part 2, 81, part 3, 82, part 4, 85, part 5, 85, part 6, 86, part 7, 88, part 8, 89. That's almost every single year of the 80s. There was, there was two in the same year? No, 81, 2, 4, 5, 6, 8, and 9. Jesus, man. That is wild. I think the only thing that can come close to that for us is Saw, and I don't even think they were that close together. No, there's no way. It's, I feel like this definitely was like the birth of franchise horror, where you could just get a decent, and I don't even call it a decent idea, but just get an idea that gets an audience, and you just churn out as many titles as you can, as cheap as you can, and you just keep making your fucking money back. Yeah, it's literally just a cash cow, because it, it, it's almost like they knew the bubble on horror, uh, this type of horror anyway, was going to pop in like the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, and it did. <laughs> oh, it popped. Yeah, we had to get a little a little deeper after that. And then, of course, Joey's favorite, Jason X, came out in 2002. Fuck yes. The cherry, I baby. I can't wait till like six years when we get to record that. That'd be great. That shut down the whole run, didn't it? <laughs> they were like, we gotta restart. This motherfucker sticks somebody's face in like liquid nitrogen. And smashes it on the counter. That's like some of the cool... Y'all are laughing. That's some of the coolest fucking shit. Jason has some of the best kills. I know he's like... He has no personality whatsoever. He's literally a walking tank. Zombie motherfucker. But some of his kills are dope. I, uh, as I usually do before these shows, went down a little bit of a rabbit hole on Jason X. And that was not the first concept they thought of to bring back Jason was in space it was also they thought about doing in the hood yes was pre, everything was in the hood right this there is for like pre Jason the versus the leprechaun in the hood but I guess it's interesting in my mind to think like every other like we've watched so many horror movies right and we're like okay this reference is that or this reference is this like we've seen elements of Halloween in other movies we've seen I don't know how many times we've talked about Elm Street. Like, oh, that's where they got this shot from. Evil right? Dead's been ripped off so many times as well. You're never going to pull a fucking Friday the 13th <laughs> reference out. You know what I'm saying? Because <clears throat> it's just taking shit from everything else. It's just ripping Psycho. 
Alright, so before we actually jump into the meat and potatoes, or take a bite out of the meat and potatoes of uh, our discussion today, uh, I'm going to make a quick note here, uh, and I'm going to let you guys know. This is going to be the first time for me, uh, as I usually try to go all in on the cast, but aside from Betsy Palmer and Adrian King, who neither are featured prominently, this is one of the most nondescript movie casts I've ever seen in a movie. Um, so, if you guys have anything interesting to add uh, about the actors, please feel free. Otherwise, we are going to breeze right through that portion of it and just, I'm going to talk about the characters as opposed to the actors. To all the actors besides those two, thank you for your time. <laughs> A lot of random random folks. Random characters, it seems like. A lot of random characters that don't even make another appearance in the fucking movie. I will say... Or we just don't track what they do. Do not feel bad for these people because they are on the convention circuit. I looked it up. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Every one of these actors who only appeared in one other movie, they were also in like three or four documentaries about the Friday the 13th you know, franchise. They're they're getting their checks. Like a golden ticket. That's all they care about. You know? All right, the wait is over. Here we go. Let's take a swing at Friday the 13th, part two. I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there, some sort of demented creature. Surviving in the wilderness, full grown by now. Stalking. Stealing what he needs, living off wild animals and vegetation. Some folks claim they've even seen him, right in this area. The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claims she saw him. Disappeared two months later. Our story begins on a rainy night in a friendly suburban neighborhood where a mysterious figure stalks a young woman in her home. Here we meet our former final girl, Alice, the lone survivor of the Crystal Lake Massacre, caught in a terrible flashback of that horrific night that ended in the deaths of serial killer Pamela Voorhees, a deranged mother seeking revenge for her lost son and her nine victims. Alice, having beheaded Miss Voorhees herself, struggles to cope with the trauma of that summer and get her life back on track. After a difficult phone call with her mom and a literal 17-second shower, I counted. Yeah, here's another uh, psycho reference that kind of gave me the eye roll when they were giving you a little wink with the shower scene. scene, The camera's literally in her fucking face. She looks right in your eyes. The whole flashback sequence. This oh, yeah, is it's got all terrible. One of the longest flashback sequences in cinema history. It was so fucking I was cracking up, dude. <laughs> to get to the title card. The movie's only an hour She's and a half long. Uh, uh. I think that, all right, tw- the 12 minutes, like, literally the damn, the, the rocking back and forth is just like, here's a reminder of what happened. And we're, we need to... We need to get to an hour and 30 minutes so I can fucking, you know, maximize my profit on this. So I was going to make fun of that, just like just like you guys are. 
But I thought I put myself in the 80s, and this is before VHS, and this is before streaming. So maybe you did forget what happened in the first film. I don't know. Hell no. This just came out a year before. And the fact is, if you went, no one accidentally stumbled into Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, if you went you to Friday the 13th Part 2. Think about it from this perspective, Hootie. Nowadays, you got fucking Netflix. You got fucking Hulu. You got Amazon Prime. You've right. got media in your asshole at all times. You can't go anywhere without having to, like, watch, being able to watch a movie and shit. Back then, it's like, if you saw something, you remembered it. I can get behind that, too. Yep. Because you yeah. talked about it to other people. Because they might not have seen it, as opposed to everybody sees fucking everything now. So Y'all boys talking down. about water cooler talk. Exactly. Water cooler talk. You see them teddies, man? That was good. Damn, man, you see that pussy flap? Damn, dog. Let me get some more water. Alice senses that something isn't quite right. She locks her front door and arms herself with an ice pick, investigating an open window that was closed only moments earlier. A stray cat bursts from the outside. And for whatever reason, this is enough for Alice to forget that cats don't have thumbs and can't open windows. She relaxes. And in this moment, after opening the fridge and discovering a severed head, that very same ice pick she held moments ago is driven through her temple by her mysterious stalker. Whose head was that? It's got to be Mom's, right? I think he's like flaunting the fact that he knows she did it. Oh, he's just carrying his mom's head around. Okay, that's real yeah. camper of himself. So maybe he had her head in the potato sack walking around fucking town. So that begs the question, Chris, who did make the potato salad? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. We got to watch that movie. I'm, sorry. I'm not sure if I allude to the actual like timeline later on in the movie, but uh, later on in the review, excuse me. Um, I'm thinking this whole sequence takes place two months after the uh, initial incident, the uh, Crystal Lake Massacre. So I'm thinking that's probably another counselor that she knew. Like their head so or it's explained in Friday the 13th Part 4 that Part 2 t- was five years after Part 1. Y'all are welcome for that. Was it? The entirety of the movie is? According to the mythology of the series. Wait. So this movie took place in 1984. It was released in 1981. Correct. She gets the axe two months after the events of the first one. And then this movie takes five years. Takes place five years after that. Why do we need a time jump at There's all? There's a multiverse, baby. Is it just to give us the believability that, okay, somebody's willing to... Go back to work in this camp now. Yeah, the, after uh, five years. I, yeah, the I dust is settled. Yeah. It's no longer Camp Blood. Why would you make a camp right beside a camp that people died at? That seems That's yeah, a big-ass lake, man. You got to share that. That's well, like real estate, prime real estate. Build houses on it, shit. <laughs> Quit making camps. <laughs> you think Jason would put up with that deforestation, having to build houses and shit? He ain't having it. It'd be even worse they build houses. Yeah, you know he ain't paying rent on his fucking check. Sometime later, new camp counselors Jeffrey and Sandra make their way into an unnamed town. It is here that they run into an old friend of ours, Crazy Ralph, who does what he does best. Relays a cryptic message to spook some teenagers and pedals off to pop up and creep everyone out at a later point in the movie. So he's still chilling in the same fucking town. 
No one went. Oh yeah, there. he he he's. I think the fact that's the only way you know what fucking town they're really in at this point in the movie, because it's like they just show up to this town. You don't know where they're at, but oh, crazy Rouse over there. It's obviously they're in Crystal Lake. He's literally like a historical landmark. I'm like oh, that's the uh, that's the old town clock there. That's the old town kook over there. I will say that Joy always comes to the show with an extensive gun knowledge. And I have to take the time now to bring y'all to the auto class to talk about that guy's car, which is a 1977 Chevrolet K10 Cheyenne Fleetside. That thing was badass. Yeah, that's the one that big ass truck. Yes. To me, it definitely looks like something I didn't imagine people driving in 1981. The only thing you gotta do is lower that back. You be a Carolina squatting. Ain't nothing like Carolina squat dog. That is what the fuck they call it. It's outlawed now, right? That was. I like I like my truck to look like it's dragging its ass on the carpet. Just like Hell yeah, dog. outlaw it. That makes it more fucking badass. <sighs> Go ahead and get your rule out, law dog. See how fucking low it is to the ground. I drag my nuts on the. <laughs> the fresh-faced teens brush off Ralph and his crazed ramblings, unaware that he is in fact the harbinger. And they meet up with their friend Ted. The three take off for the Pakanak Lake Region Counselor Training Center. That's a fucking mouthful. Which, unfortunately for all the horny young folk, happens to border the same lake as Camp Blood. A.K.A. Camp Crystal Lake. It's funny on the way out there, they like stop off on the road because they come across this fallen log. And the girl says, this place sure is spooky. Walks right into the fucking woods by herself. <laughs> Dude, I'm fucking... I got a note. The first of all, that goddamn uh, tree that fell over, that was like a fucking twig. I thought they were just going to turn around and drive back. I thought that's the way the movie was going. Like, we can't go here. In that oh, scene, shit. when they see the twig in the road, I wrote, Ted literally says, Hey, what the heck is that? What How the... do you think it is? <laughs> what no foliage or nothing. on No fucking leaves on the road. No... Nothing in the road whatsoever except for this fucking log. What the hell is that? This is clearly like the dead of summer. Everything is completely green and they're just rotten ass log. And I was like, someone clearly just fucking put this there for the movie's sake. Uh, the dial- yeah, the dialogue and the, uh, that kind of shit is just fucking trash. <laughs> I also got a note here that says, Damn, Sandra, with your Hermione Granger looking ass. All those split ends and frizzy hair was feed out that soon, not invented when they made this shit. Yeah, she needed to comb that shit. Dude, that shit was rough. So it's also uh, in this next lead up when we actually get to the camp. The only person that I've made note that is really worth mentioning is Terry. Do we want to talk about Terry right quick in that Bootylicious. scene of our introduction to Terry? Took a while to see your face. I'll say that much. Uh, yeah. Hot damn Terry running up in them short shorts and tight Mickey Mouse shirt showing her midriff. Then they cut to her ass. I fucking screamed, good God, when I saw that shit. Screamed it. And I literally scared myself. when I, Good I, like, God. Like, it was like, I said, good God. I like, good literally God, just y'all. fucking scared myself. And then, and then fucking Scott. Scott pops out of the goddamn bushes and shoots her in the ass with this little rascals looking slingshot. This scene was pure fucking, like, gold. That dude really creeped me out, though. He was a strange, strange cat. 
Yeah, you definitely got the uh, the vibe when you first saw him. Like, oh, he's going to be the handsome one. Really fucking handsome dude. Good looking guy. But then the more you learn about him, dude's a fucking nerd. So later that night, Jeff, Sandra, and the rest of the training center attendees gather around a campfire while the lead instructor, Paul, regales his students with the story of the Camp Crystal Lake Massacre and what caused it. A boy, Jason Voorhees, drowned while under the supervision of counselors who would rather fucking do the weeds instead of doing their jobs. His body was never recovered from the lake, and it's said he's still out there, some sort of demented creature, full-grown and scavenging off the land, stalking and stealing what he needs to survive. Legend has it that Jason watched that fateful night from the shadows as Alice took a machete and cut his mother's head off five years ago. It's said that two months later, he got his revenge, and the surviving Alice was never seen again. Now he prowls the woods of Crystal Lake and will continue to seek his revenge against anyone that enters his domain. I did like this uh, this part, just the way they do it. It's like a campfire tale. It's pretty effective. As far as dialogue goes in this uh, 90 minutes of shitfest dialogue, this was uh, definitely the most memorable part. Yeah, it's as far as setting the atmosphere and kind of giving you like the classic rundown of of the setup in general. I mean, I feel like for the for uh, uh, some of that, it yeah, it does come off as kind of redundant of you know Friday, Friday the Thirteenth Part One. But at the same time, it's like this is the introduction of Jason, you know. So it's probably yeah, like how it kind of clearly laid out to, the legend yeah. with more information, I guess. Yeah, compared it's to like, it's exposition that's actually like good exposition as opposed to a little bit of exposition later on in the movie that's kind of shit. And then Jason pops out of the bushes. Ted with his fucking six pack. That dude was anybody notice this? Yeah, he's fucking shredded to be such a little dude. (laughs) Ted was a fucking dweeb. Playing video games. Ted was packing heat, man. That's the thing. This dude, like, to me, he was like the best male actor or male, male character in the movie. I don't know if y'all y'all feel the same way, but at the same time, it's like the guy was super likable. He he had good delivery of his dialogue, and all was he literally he just disappears from the fucking movie. I think being able to deliver your dialogue, period, is you're doing better than most in this film. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, I don't think the Sandra character they use any of her shit that she she said in the movie. She had to go back and just record all her dialogue at a later date. It was terrible. You see the six-pack on Ted. This dude would have been killed in a she's all that type role. <laughs> Fuck Rachel Lee Cook. <laughs> give me Stuart Carno. Just give him my I, man bun. All of a sudden, everybody loves him. After the campfire get-together, the gang heads inside for a variety of fun activities, such as arm wrestling a handicapped guy and slow dancing with dogs. Outside, a nameless, faceless entity watches through the windows. Jenny... Paul's assistant slash girlfriend calls it a night and heads back to her bunk. She takes her shirt off slowly and we wait with bated breath. Fucking hell, she's got a goddamn bra on. I know, I know. Big letdown. What a classy lady. Prude. Yeah, it's kind of showed you right there that she may just be a main character because they're not going to show her tits. You might make it out of here live. She might be ordinary. That's that's one of the good things about 
the Friday movies, or Friday the Thirteenth, Friday Thirteenth movies. Um, they kind of leave you in suspense for at least a, a decent chunk of the movie about like who who is going to survive. Some movies are blatant about that shit. You know immediately who is going to be the one to, you know, take down the the bad guy. Yeah, because those characters actually speak, and you can see who's the good one and who's the bad one. But when no one fucking speaks or does anything meaningful, the only real like red flag is like, oh, they're getting naked. They're yeah, they're fucked. And maybe to our earlier point, that was one of the appeals of why they kept making them because people want to go see the movie and try to figure it out. It's like a little true detective thing. Yeah, using using Friday the Thirteenth as a who done it, you know? Yeah, or who will do it. And we skipped over a very important part of this film because people think that the first black character in this franchise came in part four. But he's at that campfire with zero dialogue. (laughs) Then he never appears again. Did anybody even get his like actor name or his actual name? I couldn't find him. I don't don't know if he's credited. He's just he's just there. He was credited. Uh, I didn't. I didn't take his name down because his IMDb page did not have a fucking picture. It was a big question mark. It literally had him as background counselor. It's weird because I kind of get the vibe in retrospect that he just wiped out everybody that was there. You know. But there's a lot of people unaccounted for. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a lot bit, of a little people. bit later. A little bit later, we're going to talk about what happened uh, to. Uh, we're going to have everyone to the twenty. The trailer hypes you up thinking you're about to see 22 people die. Do you Half count people, the flashbacks as kills? Not at all. No. Because there's like eight in the flashback. I think they did. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jenny hears a noise outside and in typical horror movie fashion opens the door without the first thought of self-preservation. It's lover boy Paul and the two commence sucking face. As a figure watches from behind a tree, the camera pans up to reveal our guy, Crazy Ralph, analyzing the situation, waiting till Paul is about to nut before barging in and warning of doom and damnation. Ralph, what are you, what are you fucking doing? Why is Ralph here? He rode a bicycle all the way to the camp. Exactly. He knows how this shit goes down. What are you doing, Ralph, man? Just go fucking chill somewhere. Get drunk and sleep under a bridge, whatever you usually do. I think Chris is alluding to what, unfortunately, is about to befall our boy Ralph. As the madman contemplates whatever it is madmen contemplate, a garrote appears from above and finds itself around Ralph's neck, pulled tight enough to break the skin by a hulking figure, and strangles the old man to death. I will remember you. Will you remember me? You had to kill off your most memorable character. Josh done got his ass. Well, I mean, Ralph was probably chugging a, a damn bottle of Wild Irish Rose a day. I don't know how long, much longer he was, he was going to last in this movie. Shit, that's why his blood was so thin. That fucking garage went right through his shit. He could have at least made some noise and fucking alerted somebody. <laughs> he could have saved 30 different people at that point. But yeah, that fucking, that thing came out of fucking nowhere to get around yeah, his the neck. Yeah, the just fucking came right down, just done. Like, I that thought was Ralph was fucking tall. Yeah, he's a, he seemed taller than most of the, the kids. So what is fucking, is Shaq playing damn uh, Jason? 
Hey, come here. I'm going to put this rope around your neck over here. I can tell you in my research, they make fun of the guy who plays Jason a lot for how short he is. Yeah, I think he's the shortest actor to portray him, right? Yeah, they say that a lot. God, I might have, he's he's five eleven. It's not like a like a super short dude. Jesus, they're making fun of him being short. Yeah, he's five eleven. Holy shit! Average I'm, height I'm, is like five nine, right? Unfortunately, <laughs> I would be the shortest Jason. The next morning, Jeff and Sandra sneak away from the rest of the group, and despite Paul's forbiddance, make their way to Camp Crystal Lake. Can we just pause here for a minute and talk about how awesome Sandra's boobs are in this scene? Yes, we can. Like, she can't deliver lines worth of shit, but her tits sure do bounce a lot in a bikini, so, you know. I really want to go to Camp Blood. I really want to go. What is her obsession with it? She wants to say that she went? Yeah, you know how, like, don't push the red button, don't fucking eat the potato salad. I don't know. Don't make the potato salad. <laughs> Don't come in the potato salad. <laughs> and it's like, God, I got to come in it. I got to do it now. Now I won't. I didn't want to at first, but now I have to. But no, no one else is as hard up to do it as this chick. Is she like a true crime enthusiast? It's almost like she's got this, this youthful desire of like self-destruction. It's like, youthful. I want a mm. fucking day. It's pretty youthful mm. uh, desire. Yeah. It's almost like she doesn't have wisdom. Like she's, you know, she hasn't. She has yes. immature, matured. immature she's character. Immature, honestly, yeah. Still got nice tits though. On their way to the abandoned camp, the pair discover a freshly gutted canine corpse, which looks to be that of Terry's sweet pupper muffin. While the couple try to make sense of the grisly scene. A hand grabs Jeff by the shoulder. Oh my God, it's actor Jack Marks playing the role of cop. That was clearly a dog, was it not? That was a dog, 100%. Yeah, that was clearly 100%. the same dog, was it not? Oh yeah, it looked exactly like that dog. It had that the same fucking in, teeth That was everything. an inside fucking dog. I think it was an Opsalopsa, if y'all know what the fuck Are that is. Are y'all trying to tell me that they killed this dog in reality? I guess my point is, I'm not trying to spoil the end of the movie already, but... This is that dog that we've been fucking seeing around yeah, the camp, we, right? Yeah, we, we see this dog again. I'll go ahead and just say yeah. that. Yeah, like, the not dog's alive later on. on. This dog, this is a different dog. He went to pack. Entirely. Cowboys don't want to pack. It's, like it's a, a pack fucking pack of, of shit A pack shoes. of indoor opsalopsis? Yeah, with perfect hair who love kibble. Wild shih tzus. <laughs> Running through the goddamn woods? Them dogs can't even fucking Wearing breathe. fucking hair bows and shit. This camp is full of well-fucking-groomed fucking dogs. <laughs> These dumbass, uh, who, who would it be? The casting, casting agent, the casting, whoever does, who was the head of casting? The dog handler. Decided to put the a goddamn indoor dog out there running through the woods. The officer scolds the duo and escorts them back to the training center, warning Paul to keep his students away from the remnants of Camp Blood. Heading back into town, generic cop character spots a masked man bolting across the road <laughs> in front of him. <laughs> He was getting this shit cracked me the fuck Dude, that was up. fucking great. He, like, he jumped across the goddamn road in like one fucking bound. However, <laughs> the long man takes off into the brush in pursuit, where he eventually finds a shanty house in the middle of the woods. Oh, we got to talk about him running. I like how woods. you say eventually. He ran. I want to talk about the pursuit, man. For a oh, let's long talk about time. The, oh, I'm all bad. Let's talk about the pursuit. This motherfucker Jason was power walking away from the fucking cop. <laughs> 
This dude is fucking sprinting full goddamn bore. And this motherfucker is just speed walking. <laughs> it was the most awkward speed walking fucking sequence I have ever seen. Especially knowing who this person is. Like in pop culture. He's speed walking away from this fucking random cop. What is going on? Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. They made this motherfucking 50 year old actor run through the goddamn woods. Huffing and puffing. Yeah, they could have cut this shit down. <laughs> Almost <laughs> fell into the goddamn creek he jumped over. Because even later on, when we have the young people going to the same area, they're there in five seconds. But we got to watch this fucking cop run there for two you minutes. You could probably see it from the road. I was like, I shouldn't be laughing in this fucking movie. I'm sure people were terrified of this back in 1981, but I was fucking rolling. Oh, no, not the cop. <laughs> Inside the crudely built home. The forgettable policeman discovers something so bizarre and so shocking. He doesn't hear the footsteps behind him or notice the hammer that comes with it until its claw is embedded in the back of his skull. Insta-death. Jason, at this point, has also changed clothes, by the way, just so you're keeping up. Yeah, two pairs of jeans. He's sweating like a motherfucker running through the woods. Well, you gotta change pants. Man, them damn Levi's is five years old. You gotta get some fucking Wranglers now. Meanwhile, back at Pakanak Lodge, half of the company of counselors head into town while the rest stay back at camp, unaware of the murderous events that have transpired. Terry goes for a walk in search of her missing doggy, taking advantage of the warm, cloudless night to go skinny dipping all alone. Or she thinks. Alright, so we gotta talk about another, uh, another scene involving a naked lady. I think that's a tradition on... Uh, yeah, why would you skinny dip in the situation? Well, I mean, because she's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's, she is a beautiful woman. Uh, the crazy part is she starts to undress, and before she can take off anything, she hears footsteps behind her in the woods. I always get completely new when I hear footsteps. Oh, shit, I better get my butthole out real quick. <laughs> I'm not vulnerable enough. I need my asshole facing the... Strange noise behind me. Yeah, literally takes her clothes off, jumps in the water. Body double, 100%. Uh, go back and analyze quit, the scene. If quit you shattering Hootie's dreams with that. I know. I, this is, saying, like, very depressing. I'm just saying we just go back and watch it. Um, I will say that if, if somebody does come at you, taking your pants off wouldn't make them stop. So, Whoa, buddy. I'm saying. But I'm just in a moment of grief, and, like, she's looking for this dog, and she's, like, stressed and alone. Let me, just, let me just take my pants off. You Well, you say in a moment of grief. It's weird. Uh, I don't think this lady has emotions. Like, you don't see emotion from her the entire movie. While this hot, hot, hot woman, Terry, does a few laps in the lake, Scott, who's been trying Scotty. to get Terry the entire movie, steals her clothes and takes off while the bare-chested hottie chases from behind. Oblivious to his surroundings, the horny scamp steps into a rope snare, which hoists him into the air like a meat pinata. Fresh and easy prey for our murderous troglodyte. Is the Rambo like booby traps a thing in this franchise? I don't remember it. I think it was, I thought it was all like wood, wood and like forest and uh, survivalist related like stuff, you know. I don't think Josh like uh, axes, set this trap. Axes and machetes. That's a full trap. Like that. it, well, he trap. wasn't the one that said it, though. It was one of the other counselors. They were talking about how they practiced it earlier. 
Well, I, oh. For like trapping really? it. They're trapping game, yeah. Well, see, we say that, but. <laughs> you get I a get fucking deer. Just the, fuck? <laughs> the deer gonna get rid of the neck? What the, ain't the fucking deer in the tree? I thought it would have been funny too when he grabbed her clothes. If she had like walked up on him and he like stepped out and you thought it was Jason, but he had the panties on his head instead of the back. <laughs> my man. Hell yeah. As a moment lost. Oh, hey. Right hey. My, that's, uh, that's all right. The fuck is he got on his. He's got like the eye hole cut in the panty. <laughs> Terry heads back into camp for help just as our bush friend finds Scott. Slices his throat with a razor-sharp machete in the least satisfying throat cut in the history of horror cinema. That was bad. It was obviously just dragons of paint and then instantly cut. We're done. See, it's it's one of those things of, you know, the the, the kills being cut down to, to fit in a box, to fit to fit that rating, you know. It's, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Still, It's still very, very, very unfulfilling. I guess it would be different if this movie wasn't so obviously set up to be a kill every five minutes. Like, it's obviously what they were going for. Terry, having found a knife back at camp, heads back to free the freshly dead Scott and finds him hanging motionless and drenched in his own blood. She turns and screams, fade to black. With panties on his head. (laughs) He fucking panties on his head while he's got his throat slit. Like she had her fucking period in the panties. <laughs> Hell fucking yeah, bro. Damn, that would have made the movie so much better. Yeah, fucking awesome that would have been, man. If Jason had just slid the panties on his head after he slid his th- Why don't they do that in the new scary movie? Like, scary movie six. Let me fucking do that shit. So it cuts to her being, like, accosted. And then that's it for her. Yeah, she's done. Does she die? I mean, you showed your tit. You showed your tits and ass. You're fucking done. We see her again later, but yeah, she's done. Like that's she's that's done. all you see of her acting. I'm thinking there may have, there probably wasn't, but the way this movie was cut up, man, it, it's very possible she had a kill sequence. And they just didn't show it. Oh yeah, you do see her body. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we see, see the corpse later. later, but that's it. Things are getting hot and heavy back at the community building. The wheelchair-bound strongman Mark plays hard to get with hopelessly obsessed Vicky, while our pals Jeff and Sandra get to fucking upstairs. Get to it. Vicky heads back to her bunk to freshen up, just as the once cloudless night opens up with rain. Alright, can we talk about a second how she squirts perfume inside her pussy? Can we talk about for a second how she asks, does it work? After asking about his <laughs> fact, he's fucking paralyzed. His dangling. Motherfucker says it's funny. Works for, he says it works for me. It's funny. We all have separate notes for what was fucking weird about this sequence. What I thought was weird was she pulled the panties out to fuck in, and they were brown. They were Who the f- brown. Who was the fucking some brown panties? They were she really them, weird She looked at things too. like, I'm about to get fucking split in half. <laughs> It's working tonight. <laughs> I'm about to have this fucking, fucking dump truck motherfucker split me and in half. Arm wrestle this clit for the next thirty minutes. I got really disturbed on the material of those brown panties. They just—I don't know. It's some of the least attractive panties I've ever hey, seen. Early thirties, man. It was like, what do they call that shit? Velvet, satin, satin, satin yeah, or velvet. 
Satin brown. Satin. Nothing like satin brown to set the mood. Ugh. Yeah, this I wore my, like I wore my special panties to you so I can't see the dookie stains. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a porno where people defecate on each other. And to join Satin I, Brown. I say it's weird she sprayed her her vaginal canal with perfume. However, I do spray my balls quite a bit with Old Spice. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that we all know oh, that now. That's that's, 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 that's good to know. It's, it's a crazy coincidence. Like, I that's have a one for one-to-one one there. But there's a difference. That is an extremity, and she sprayed her perfume, like, inside of her. I feel like that would burn. Or, yeah, you saw some, cause some kind of infection. <laughs> Something like it hot. You know what I mean? Mark, growing anxious, wheels himself onto the porch to look for his potential fuck buddy, but instead finds himself stabbed in the face. In the face! By the Vicky? same machete. Is that you? <laughs> by the same machete <laughs> that ended Scott's life earlier. Um, this to me, this to me is hands down the best scene and coolest kill in the entire movie. Like the force with which that machete is implanted in the motherfucker's head <laughs> and how it sends him careening off the porch and down some conveniently located stairs is perfect. And then this shit immediately me is up, like, man. Oh yeah. This shit, him fucking falling down the stairs. Yeah. Literally, I felt terrible. I've seen, I was rolling. Dude, I, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like. You can't help it. It's just fucking funny seeing a guy in a wheelchair just fall downstairs. <laughs> well, he's obviously like, dead. I mean, he's a dead with a machete hanging out of his face, falling down the steps. Like they made it. They didn't really want it to be comedic. They wanted it to be dramatic. But I mean, the way it was shot, it's it's fucking comedic. I mean, because they cut away from so many of these other kills, but then they had to show me the disabled person roll backwards down some stairs for like a good twenty seconds. I don't. I don't know if you guys remember ever watching this movie before in your past. This is the only scene I recall seeing, uh, besides the, the 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 part at the end where they're actually back in the uh, in the shack. Yeah, I have Let's recollections of way. the shack, but that's it. But the, the falling down the stairs thing is is very memorable. So I was too busy laughing when he was going down those stairs. Uh, Maybe you noticed better than I did. Was it a human being in the chair? Or was it like a prop, like a doll? That or was a, that was a doll. Okay. No fucking I was, way they would they would do. My that eyes were definitely squinting a, when that was happening. You see what's so awesome about this scene, and you guys can you know go into this next scene if you like. But the fact that it was immediately followed by the lovers upstairs being impaled on a spear together. While Jeff's dick is inside Sandra. This is some Inception level shit right here. Josh getting inside of him, baby. Here comes Josh. I was confused <laughs> on this. Did they instantly die? Like, where did he stab him? In the head? I think he stabbed him in the gut. I thought it was like through both Right, portions, I think yeah. it was through his asshole into her stomach. <laughs> mm. <laughs> this motherfucker, Josh, Josh Voorhees coming to said, let's make this a three-way. He <laughs> stabs her right in the asshole. Hey, girl. I don't know what it is with these young kids showing me the asshole, but they just want me to see it. <laughs> Every time they have my footsteps coming, they just put the buttholes in the air. <laughs> Damn it, Josh. But yeah, again, fucking, we don't see anything. We get the setup, and then we just cut to the spear impaling the ground with blood on it. Yeah, there, there, that's the thing. There was, there was more to that scene. 
This is obviously like yeah, a, just, a head nod to right. the Kevin Bacon scene from the first one, right? It's like the inverse very, of that, where he came up, up through the bed, and then we're going down into the bed. Very bad head nod, yeah. But that was like that was a hundred times better than this. Yeah. As much as I just I hate seeing Kevin Bacon being hurt in any way, shape, or form, that was so much more enjoyable to watch than this. At the bar in town, the other half of the summer camp workers drink and dance, making the most of their last free night before the training program kicks into overdrive while their friends are slaughtered elsewhere. After a few beers and some foreshadowing exposition on the possible psychological state of the Jason legend by Jenny, she and Paul begin their trip back to the lake shore, just as Vicky searches for her bow. Upstairs, she finds the bodies of her lustful colleagues, as well as their killer, who we finally see as the masked man from earlier. One slowly progressing knife shot later, unfortunately for Vicky, we have victim number eight. That whole sequence, I laughed just about as hard as the wheelchair scene. He pops out of the sheets. It's just awkward. Then the slowest knife scene of Boom, all. Boom, motherfucker! The fact that he would hide under the sheets like a child. Yeah, which, I mean, well, kind of speaking of like child psychology, uh, it's kind of something we may have skipped over. But Jenny, earlier in the movie, we talked about the fact that she's in school studying child psychology and they kind of talk about that at the bar like this is what she wants to go to school for so this kind of like plays into what happens later in the movie with her yeah i think they go into great detail about or they they go into detail about her being a psychologist like you said but the, the way they go about it it's like it's exposition after exposition after exposition it's nothing nothing is natural i'm being talked at i'm not being talked to just as the masked psycho moves Vicky's body downstairs, Paul and Jenny arrive to find the community building empty, as well as a bloody sheet and mattress upstairs. As if that weren't bad enough, the storm causes the power to surge, knocking out the lights downstairs. It's here that Paul and Jenny come face to mask with the potato sack wearing madman. A struggle ensues between Paul and Burlap Laparka. And Paul, being a pussy and all, gets his ass kicked. There's someone in the room. There's someone There's in someone the room. There's someone in the fucking room. He looks over room. there and there's a fucking guy slowly a, walking forward with a goddamn spear. That blocking was so weird. I was like, what are we fucking looking at here? Bizarre. And in the whole scuffle, I don't know what the fuck really happened there. It just stops all of a sudden. Yeah, they, they gotta go to a fist fight. It's like how me, how me and you used to fight when we were like, Seven, eight years old. There was no fist being thrown at all. You're literally tussling. Just, just you're hugging each other aggressively. Jenny locks herself in a bathroom and attempts to flee through a window, only for the killer to beat her to the punch, bursting through and lunging for her. She locks herself in the kitchen next and discovers the body of Friday the Thirteenth vet Crazy Ralph in the pantry. As if right on cue, her assailant breaks through the door with a pitchfork with Jenny barely escaping through yet another window. Damn it, Josh, you gotta be faster than this. The two continue their seemingly endless game of cat and mouse, taking us through various locations until finally, Jenny makes her way to the shanty house from earlier. She barricades herself inside as the demented man pounds on the door. Jenny is terrified as she discovers an altar with a mummified head 
long since removed from its body, as well as the bodies of the cop and sexy, sexy Terry. With the killer tearing at the door, Jenny pulls a move straight out of IGN Tips and Tricks, putting on the sweater laying next upon the altar, styling her hair to mimic that of the head. Using psychology and pro strats, Jenny figures out that the man who has killed her friends and stalked her for the last hour is none other than Josh Voorhees. Josh. A.K.A. Jason Voorhees. Who is a one clumsy motherfucker, we have to say at this point. One fucking clown show. And the head is that of a slain mother, Pamela Voorhees, yada, yada, yada. I did not like how much they showed a Jason towards the end of this film. It was way too much. Made him way too vulnerable. Do we not remember what happened to uh, Miss Voorhees the end of uh, of a Friday one? She had a little tussle with Alice on the. She got her ass kicked by fucking Alice. She was a sixty year old woman. She got her ass kicked, Chris. Okay, she was a sixty year old woman. She got her shit pushed Joy, in. Joy, this, this motherfucker can breathe she in She got space. her shit pushed in, man. <laughs> Josh Voorhees can breathe in outer space. Imitating his mother, Jenny subdues Jason, dropping him to his knees as she lifts the machete from the altar for the killing blow. Just as she begins to bring down her weapon, her gambit backfires, and Jason deflects the blow, cutting Jenny's leg in the process. Out of fucking nowhere, and with no yes. explanation whatsoever, Paul magically appears behind Jason. Jenny! Thus commencing Jason versus Paul, round two. Paul goes one-on-one on one with the great one here. As the two scuffle, Jenny regroups and finds her machete, burying it deep in Jason's shoulder and into his chest. How the fuck is this old, rusty-ass piece of shit so sharp? Well, that will become his, like, signature weapon, though. Well, yeah, but this same machete was used to chop off his mom's head fucking five years earlier, and it's still able to damn uh, chop somebody into, literally slice somebody's throat by pulling it across their neck, and then chop a grown man from his shoulder like a foot in his chest. Jason might be awkward and an adolescent, but he knows how to use a good whetstone. It's almost like it was a lightsaber fucking machete. That'd be badass. Dude, that'd be bad fucking ass. Jason, Jason X every... and Jason X with a goddamn lightsaber. Oh that my god. Awesome. Jason X dash two. You need to make a, a fan film of Jason X, Joy. You, your way. I'm fucking ready, dude. <laughs> I'm ready to play Jason. So Jason, loving son and accomplished survivalist, falls to the ground, dead at the age of thirty eight. The two survivors, battered and bruised, seek refuge in a bunk. There we find our four-legged friend Muffin somehow. Alive and well. What a fucking twist. This was a... This was fucking five-head planning by Jason all along. He knew this dog's cuteness would distract. Just long enough for a wounded, but very much alive and unmasked, teen wolf-looking motherfucking Jason to pull his favorite move Bursting through a window and loves pulling it. Jenny through. Absolutely love it. A scene reminiscent of the ending of Friday Part 1. Oh, God damn, dude. Why did they have to do this shit in slow motion? Uh, because they didn't slow motion in the first movie. It looked so bad, like man. Continuity. And they held on it forever. 
I was like, this is the fucking Goonies right here. <laughs> it was the Goonies. It was Sloth. Imagine if Sloth fucked Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf when he had the Teen Wolf gene. It's clearly makeup. It doesn't look great. And you're shooting it in slow motion. And you fucking hold it for like 30 seconds. I'm like, this. <gasps> Place yourself in 1981. <laughs> that's, the fucking, that's the fucking music about it. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just imagining like a bunch of people in the audience going, Oh, God, oh my God, what the fuck is that? Look at that fucking thing. <laughs> He's so ugly. Imagine the water cooler talk on Monday. Did you see that fucking thing? Jesus in the movie fucking theater? Christ! <laughs> Where the fuck were you at Friday? And then the best part of this fucking movie. What happens next, Joy? Oh, and much like Friday Part One, uh, once again, we find Jenny being carried off on a fucking stretcher the next morning with Paul totally missing, uh, totally disregarding the, the previous <laughs> scene. Uh, what the fuck? By exact note, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> One last look at the jerky-fied head of Pam Voorhees, freeze frame, credit sequence. Maybe they want you to think that she killed everybody and it was all in her head? I did read. Here's some inside baseball Oh, yeah, for I you. just hit, hit me with it. Supposedly, that wasn't a prosthetic head. That was a person. That, no, it wasn't up. a prosthetic head at all. And they were supposed to open their eyes and smile at the camera. And wink. And that was to let you know that Jason had killed Paul. Uh, I have no fucking idea. The fucking director's explaining this, explaining this to the the fucking studio, and he goes, and that explains what happened to Paul. Huh? But yeah, he he removed the winking smiling because he said it was too hokey for his movie. Oh yeah, Mm. way too hokey. Wait, for this film? For this masterpiece, Chris? It seems like this... Discussion ended on a strange note. Uh, the movie ends on a strange note. So ends 1981's Friday the 13th Part 2. Alright, let's talk about some memorabilia real quick. Before we get too far away from this highlight of the year that was 1981. Yeah, I what, think a lot uh, of us, or a majority of us three, are ready to move past. This what movie. piece of this do you want to take with you, boys? Uh, let me get those hockey and football handheld games. I used to fuck around with the Tiger electronic handhelds and used to used to get those from uh, Kmart back in the day uh, as a kid. And this would be a nostalgia trip of the highest order. Be honest with you, boys, I didn't see a whole lot in this film. That I fucking won't. Um, so it came down for me to I will take that number eighty one jersey from Mark after he fell down all those steps. Let me get that jersey. <laughs> And I'll be go- oh, about my that's way. That's that fucking, uh, that's that fucking little bit of blood on it. Yeah, I thought that. you were going with those brown panties, buddy. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm the creepy ass panties. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go even more chalk here. Just give me that tater sack. It's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely the most memorable piece of prop in this entire movie. When you display this, quote, tater sack in your house, um, you're going to have I'm to I'm just going to wear people. it to masturbate, and that's it. <laughs> to tell people why there's a potato sack. Oh, no, that's a Jason dick to that little potato hole in it. Yeah, let's get into a few fan reviews here. Uh, the reviews this uh, episode come by way of IMDb. Uh, let's start first with a... Uh, on a positive note, it's always good to start on a positive note. Um... First of all, zero out of zero people found this helpful. Um, that kind of tells you that no one really gives a fuck about this movie. Um, the title of the review, The Godfather Part 2 of Slashers. 
10 out of 10 by Nix will be cool. This review took place on uh, the 14th of August, 2020. So relatively, uh, relatively current. He was in a pandemic watching this movie. And I, I love guess, it. Yeah, that's the thing. You just, you, you make your way through so many fucking movies and it's like, I just, I, you know, I've seen them all. This is the best one to me. This is the perfect sequel in a way, a step above its previous entry. A new round of teens go to Camp Crystal Lake, where someone is waiting. Could it be Jason? It's a non-stop thrill ride with some memorable kills and a great heroine played by Amy Steele. Very suspenseful, bloody, and will keep you on the edge of your seat. Definitely one of the best of the Friday sequels. A must-watch for slasher movie fans. And a thrilling ending, too. The body count continues. All right, and on the other end of the spectrum, unfortunately, we got to take the movie down another peg, which I don't think is possible, but we're going to try. Uh, so, one out of ten stars. This review comes by way of Glue Stick, uh, and it was made on the 18th of July, 1999, titled The Worst Movie Ever. Come on. It looks like a direct-to-video movie. The acting is zero. There is no acting. Trust me. The plot is stupid. It's the same as the first. The script? Forget it. I think the script was put together by five-year-old kids. Jason isn't even that good. He kills people in dumb ways. He kills Adrian King by doing what? Stabbing her in the head with a screwdriver? That's a great idea. This is just the beginning of the cheesy slasher movies that have no point. The scares are cheap and rip-offs from better horror movies. The script is pure crap. And the acting is about as good as some small guy trying to act like a fat guy. Forget it. <laughs> just take my word. Pass it up. Friday the 13th Part 2. F. Fuck yeah. I like them. I'm going to use that, that bit. Yeah, he fucking used our damn grading system, man. This guy was ahead of his, ahead of his time. Short, a small guy like a fat guy. I'm going to use that been, one. Man, this movie's like a small guy trying to act like a fat guy. Fuck. I'm not even sure what that even means. <laughs> man, you ain't even fucking, you ain't even fucking fat, bro. How can you be a fat guy? That's the best fucking analysis I've heard in a long time. And I wonder how our grades compare to his. Hot damn. This was a stinky little movie. The setup for each kill grew repetitive. The kills themselves were just not as crafty as I expected. It just feels weird to watch him get overpowered in this movie. Here's to hoping the blessed hockey mask gets this boy some bigger cojones because this dude's balls were completely lacking here. I'm going to give this movie exactly what every woman within its runtime wants above survival itself. A big fat D. Uh, so I tried a different way to review this film was I tried to place myself in 81 because watching this in 2022 is like a whole other, whole other bag of tricks. Friday the 13th part two was a decent installment to the franchise. When you place yourself in 1981, this was the first time the audience was introduced to one of the most recognizable horror icons in the history of the genre. However, watching it, in 2022 left me disappointed to say the least jason in this film was small considering what we know of him now being the colossal giant that he would eventually be in joy's favorite movie jason x 
and the plot seemed to just rehash what the first film created, except with less art, less artistic skill, as we went over tirelessly. The film receives a C for me, and if this is any indication where the franchise is going, it's going to be one a hell of a bumpy ride. Friday the 13th Part 2 gets a C for me. Honestly, the movie is probably more of a D based on more traditional grading standards, but the fact that this is the introduction of Jason, it bumps it up a letter grade for me. The acting is bad but passable. Jason's look is a total ripoff of 1976's The Town That Dreaded Sundown. It's riddled with plot holes and loose ends, but there are a few notable positives. The classic Friday the 13th score is here. The cinematography is actually pretty great with all the long takes. Uh, Friday Part 2 also has a couple of my favorite Jason kills ever. The wheelchair scene and the sex spear kill. Uh, they're, they're fucking great and they're, they're some of the best of the franchise for sure. So, uh, yeah, Friday, Friday Part 2, uh, yeah, it's a flawed sequel, no doubt, but it did introduce the unstoppable killing machine himself. So, by default, it earns its place as required Friday the 13th viewing. All right, I know we did take a stab at the fan score here, even though it doesn't mean anything. So let's unveil the winner of prize nothing. Let's see, recapping our scores. Go for the low man, Ryan Hootie, a 32%. Myself, a 52 Ray Lewis and Joey, a 55 Actual score was a 48%. So I would have hit it if we you were hit. playing. I would have hit, man. I think I my 32 that. was well-deserved, though. But alas, all for naught. And if you do remember correctly, we are in the penalty box. So the random wheel, it is, my guys. The wheel has been spun. 1996 classic slasher. Screen. Thank you, Wes Craven. Do you like scary movies? The Godfather of Horror himself, Wes Craven. Excited for this. We're in the meta now, boys. All right, folks, let's hop on YouTube. We're going to watch the trailer for Scream from 1996. And here we go. Fuck yeah, Rated R. This was 96? Yeah, man. We're still looking at the goddamn wow. rating screen. Okay. Eight years old right here, buddy. Hello. Jesus. Who is this? Tell me your name, I'll tell you. Oh. Barry. I don't think so. Dimension. Barry Moore was fucking gorgeous. She's still alive, though, so she is gorgeous. I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? We'll do some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. You never told me your name. This movie is a fucking podcast. You hear the uh, nightmare? On them street music right there? So that was it, He's yeah. Playing a deadly game. Is that in the original? It all began with a scream over 911. God so damn it. Rose McGowan. I forgot all about her. Yeah. Oh. Hello, Sydney. Step too far. I'm excited to find out the origin of Ghostface. They're all the same. Some stupid killers talking some big Oh my god. Jesus. I got fucking shit. I'm gonna be talking about it. George's got a dick of shit. Whoa. It just, uh, for everybody at home, it just showed the sequence of her nipples being hard. Dude, I forgot nipples. Oh boy. Skeet. Under any 
Skeet had the coolest fucking name Skeet in this movie. He had the coolest hair. I'll be right back. Hey, that dude plays Shaggy's in this movie. You didn't make the rules. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Why should we try to hide? Yeah, it's a good fucking movie. I don't like that it's a good movie. But it's a it good movie. It pisses him off. I'm sure this is going to be a fun rewatch. You own adventure, I guess, at the Rotten Tomato School. Oh my god. This is uh, going to be high. For Scream, 1996. A lot of love for this movie, a lot of appreciation. Uh, I don't know many people who don't. So I'm going to venture, I guess, of an 82%. Wow, holy shit. Uh, that's actually pretty close to mine. Uh, we're going to stack up nicely. I went with an 87. Oh, boy. I'm on, the high, I'm on the high side just because I think people like the movie more than I like it, apparently. I didn't think I liked the movie now that we're talking about it. I'm thinking I'm re- I realize that I actually like this movie. So, Not to burst your bubble of joy, but uh, I also love this movie. Obviously, I'm a big Wes Craven fan, and I pulled the old prices right, and I'm going to take 88, Bob. Thanks for listening, folks. Check out the website, horriblefilmschool.com. You can find us on basically all platforms. Hit us up on the Instagram. Leave the Apple Podcasts and Spotify reviews. Spread the filth. And I'm going to use this sign-off to offer my support to women that simply cannot resist random skinny dipping in the dark. You are seen by everyone. You keep being you. If you're hearing our voices, please tell at least one person you know. Spread the love. Spread the campaign. Everybody loves horror. And I would use this sign-off to just let everybody know that Bubba Hotap is now on Amazon Prime if you're having trouble finding it. And that the Friday the 13th franchise is not looking very exciting going forward. And I'm ready to watch Scream. And I'm out. So before my send-off, I wanted to give a special shout-out to my friend Patricia, a.k.a. Nurse Donna, who will be graduating from her medical training program in a few weeks on her birthday. Congratulations. I'm super stoked for you. I'm super, super proud of you. Can we get a round of applause from the horrible film school crew? Right there. Congratulations. Good job. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for the likes, follows, listens, shares. We appreciate your time and your attention. So uh, feel free to join us for our next episode where we discuss and vivisect the classic 1996's Scream. We'll see you in the next one. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.